Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate of Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on Gambling Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Alex Uplinger, at Alex underscore up seven. Also manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Alex, week 15 is upon us. The San Francisco 49ers have clinched the NFC West. I thought a pretty dominant performance up in Seattle. That 21-13 score I don't think does it justice. San Francisco kicks off week 15 in impressive fashion with a win in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, they did indeed. I think it's safe to say that Shanahan as a favorite is no longer a fade. They're 4-0 against the spread as favorites this season. Prior to that, it was an auto fade to take the points when facing Shanahan as a favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we talked about it before we jumped on here. Seattle felt like the clear side, desperation, kind of nosediving uh, in the NFC playoff picture at home, best home field in football, Brock Purdy banged up, first road start, short week, and San Francisco wins and wins pretty easily. Yeah, it wasn't really a single second you were doubting that they were going to win in Cup here. I mean, just from the very beginning, their defense is just absolutely smothering. It's really impressive to watch. You could plug anyone in at quarterback with that system and all those weapons. It really doesn't matter who's back there. Yeah. And, you know, San Francisco, very much still a threat in uh, the NFC. And really the whole league would not be surprised at all if the 49ers uh, found a way to do all this and uh, end up hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. But let's talk about that all the teams, rather, that still have to play for Week 15. And we're going to begin with some Saturday NFL action, a triple header of games beginning in Minneapolis at 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 noon local time there in Minnesota. The Vikings laying four against the Indianapolis Colts, a total of 47 in the hook. It's going to be Matt Ryan back under center for Indianapolis as the Colts return from their bye week. But Alex... I feel like this is a get-right spot for Minnesota, and I definitely lean to the Vikings. Uh, but you do have Indianapolis coming out of its bye. We have seen a little bit of a scrappy efforts at times from Indianapolis under Jeff Saturday, that blowout Sunday night football game against the 
Cowboys, I don't think uh, the score is necessarily indicative of the way the Colts played in that game. 33 points for the Cowboys in the fourth quarter in that one. So all of this is to say I could see Minnesota bouncing back after a bad division road loss against Detroit. Uh, but still having a hard time trusting Minnesota uh, in this price range for sure, because as we've discussed ad nauseum over the course of the season, Minnesota just doesn't win with margin, and you're asking them to win by more than three here. Yeah, I think the points are pretty valuable in this matchup where we haven't seen the Vikings really put anyone away, but they do win these close games. They're 9-0 and straight up in one-score games. I think I would agree and look to the Vikings' side. The, this does feel like a great bounce-back spot at home. But I could see Indy keeping this competitive and putting up some points. I mean, if they can't move the ball well on this this Vikings defense that we see time and time again just get absolutely shredded, then they're in a bad spot. I think this is where you could look at some Colts player props over. I mean, receivers just absolutely dismantle them. We saw what Detroit did last week. And then you got Kirk Cousins, the noon nightmare, just an absolute monster in the 1 p.m. window. He's, he's 47-35-2 against the spread at 1 p.m. or earlier. And then 4 p.m. or later, he's 21-31 against the spread. So, yeah, I'd probably look to the Vikings side. Feels like a great bounce-back spot at home. And then you got Kirk Cousins, who just excels at this time. Yeah. Yeah, so again, leans on Minnesota to get us out of the gate. Let's move forward to the middle game on Saturday, and that's the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Lake Erie to take on the Browns. Baltimore catching three, as it's going to be another game without Lamar Jackson, total of 38. Alex, i got to be honest, I don't get this line, and I'm not going to overthink it. I think this should be closer to pick. I think there's clear value on the Baltimore side. We just saw Baltimore go to Pittsburgh and win a divisional road game in the teens. That's kind of the way I'm seeing this game unfold. Cleveland with Deshaun Watson now, it's been two games. That offense looks no different. You could argue even worse. And so it's not an offense you should want to give up points with, particularly against a playoff team like Baltimore that I think found a little something last week. And you mentioned it, Tyler Huntley seems to be good. We'll see what happens. Uh, over the next 48 to 72 hours, but he seems to be trending upward for Baltimore to play on Saturday. Uh, so actually, I say 48 to 72. It's more like 28 to 24 to 48 with the Saturday game. But I just think that with the Baltimore defense and with J.K. Dobbins back, and we know they're going to run the ball. You still have Mark Andrews as the check down safety blanket if you're Huntley. I don't see how the Ravens can't replicate last week's game script against the Steelers, given how anemic the Browns have been offensively. Ravens plus three for me. I think that's the only way to look. Yeah, Huntley, he was a full participant in practice uh, Thursday and Wednesday. It's a little different being in the concussion protocol. Ultimately, I think there's a third party that also has to evaluate him. But, you know, him being a full participant the last two days, it's definitely good news. I completely agree. I think the points are really valuable in this spot. 
especially with such a low total of 38, which I still think that might be a little too high for these two teams. Baltimore, they're second in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game on defense. They only allowed 81 yards on average. And then Cleveland's bottom 10 in rushing yards allowed, which is what both these teams want to do. So I would certainly side with the better defense. And just Deshaun Watson, who knows what the fuck you're getting. I think Baltimore's defense is just way too good. They're going to take a take away the ground game. And can Deshaun Watson really beat you? I, I don't know. I certainly yeah. don't think so. I, I think the three is a really good look here. I wouldn't hate a little money line sprinkle as well. And I think sure. under 38 is probably a good look. I saw outdoor divisional unders this season are 29, 14, and 1. That's 67%. Wow. And then Stefanski, just historically, not a good coach in the favorite role. 9-17 and 17 against the spread as a favorite. It's certainly not someone you want to back against Harbaugh. This is a clear coaching mismatch in terms of Harbaugh versus him. So I would look to the Ravens. I'll probably get there with you. Yeah, no, that's good stuff about the coaching mismatch there. And, uh, again, I, I just think Cleveland – uh, and, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think this time of year with some of these non-playoff teams, you start to wonder about if they're just dead. And I think Cleveland's kind of approaching that dead zone where I would not be surprised if Stefanski gets fired by the end of the year and Watson has not given them that shot in the arm thus far. Why would it happen at home against Baltimore? I completely agree. Um, I think they might run it back with Stefanski next year just to give him one true year with the quarterback, but the point still remains. I, I think they're completely dead as well. Although at home you might get a little bit of a lift because you don't want to completely embarrass yourself against your home fans, but still. All right, let's wrap up with another divisional game on Saturday, and we will end the Saturday slate in western New York. The Buffalo Bills lay seven against the Miami Dolphins, and the total in this game is sitting at 44, obviously. Uh, some weather is in the mix here for the game in western New York. Seems like uh, there's going to be a lot of snow on Saturday in Buffalo, and uh, you can get in for as cheap as $30, it looks like. Uh, for this game so with all that said I do think that these conditions are something you have to look at and I think that with the Bills they've struggled recently in Buffalo excuse me the uh, Dolphins have struggled in this game going to Buffalo simple excuse me that harder for me other than to look at this and say the Dolphins are kind of flatlining a bit. They're cold. Cross-country travel coming back from those two games in, in California against Sam Fran and the Chargers. Now they got to go to Buffalo. I mean, the spot is not good at all. I wonder a little bit about the youth of Miami here, not just with some of their players. Down the stretch. But also 
McDaniel, first-year coach, how are they going to kind of carry themselves? Games get bigger and bigger. I think the only side you can look, Alex, is Buffalo laying the seven. I completely agree. I don't love laying a touchdown, especially in divisional games. But I do like the Bills at home here. That's certainly the side I would look. I'm sure I'll get there come game day, come, you know, standalone primetime game. I'll probably lay it because I definitely do not want to take the points with the Dolphins right now, especially with that Bills rush defense, top five in the NFL, and rushing yards allowed per game. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on Tua. You got Hill banged up with the ankle injury. That's a massive weapon. And then you did you mentioned the weather. That's certainly something to be aware of. I just I don't see how Miami's going to be comfortable playing in these conditions. I'm not so worried about snow and cold, but then you see 14 mile per hour winds, which will certainly hinder a strong passing attack, which is what Miami has to lean on. I think I was I'm going to look to the under. I mentioned those outdoor divisional unders getting that 67 percent. Bills are going to want to run the ball more. I saw the unders nine and two in the Bills' last 11 games. I think this is a great look. It feels similar to the game last week against the Jets. Obviously, Miami has better weapons than New York, but just similar in terms of big-time divisional game. Both teams are going to be a little tighter and I think running the ball a lot, especially with those weather conditions you mentioned, I think under 44 is a great look here. Let's get to the first game on the Sunday card where we have the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. Philly laying nine on the road, total of 48.5. Alex, we talked about it before we jumped on. It's a vintage sandwich spot for the Eagles right in between two divisional road games last week at MetLife Stadium against the New York Giants. Next week on the road against the Dallas Cowboys in what could be a clinching game for the Eagles. And in between, you have the Chicago Bears, you know, who are coming off of a bye, I might add. To step in front of the Eagles. Um, you know, there's certainly an element there of, you know, steam that you don't want to touch in terms of fading the Eagles, but everything we talk about would lean towards the Bears, given it it just seems like the Eagles could be flat here. Yeah, this could be the the sleepiest spot you mentioned. The the sandwich spot, look ahead to Dallas next week. That's a way more important game than this is, being a divisional game next week. Now you're laying almost 10 points with the Eagles on the road where they struggle. Hurts historically not great on the road. Six and 11 against the spread in road games in his career. 1 p.m. in Chicago, just a very sleepy spot. This feels like such a get in, get out type of game. I'll certainly look to the Bears getting almost 10. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the nine here with the Bears. I think it's as simple as that. Uh, I think that it's the NFL. And 
you expect even the bad teams to show up on certain weeks, like we saw with Houston last week against Dallas and the overlooking teams and, you know, sleepwalking through games can result in suboptimal performances by these big favorites. Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot, but that's certainly a thing in the NFL is these guys are all professionals being paid. You know, they're all playing for jobs and such. You can have teams just show up. No team is, you know, just drastically better than the, than the next. I mean, Dallas is the biggest favorite of the season, barely gets a win at home against the lowly yeah. Texans. Just, just any Sunday, any team can show up and make it competitive. So I think there's definitely value of taking that many points, especially with the home team. You mentioned Dallas. Let's go there next as the Cowboys visit the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cowboys laying four on the road, total of 48. Cowboys, obviously, I don't think the look ahead to the game with the Eagles applies as much to Dallas because Dallas shouldn't be looking ahead after how poorly it played last week against Houston. Jacksonville at home just won by double digits on the road against Tennessee. It looks like the Jags, Alex, turning a bit of a corner here. I'll stay away because I do think Dallas, while it's very public, I do think Dallas will get up for this game after how poorly it played last week at home against Houston, like I mentioned. But I know you're going to get there, I think, with Jacksonville. I was strongly considering it, but, yeah, I think I'm going to hold off. Just if Dallas had – won that game much more convincingly than I'd be all over the Jags. But just squeaking out a win, as I mentioned, the biggest favorites of the season, they barely get a win at home. I think they're going to come out fired up. And, you know, McCarthy's been laying into them all week for that fairly embarrassing performance. I mean, if Dallas won a lot more convincingly, I would, yeah, I would hammer the Jags. I don't, I don't think I can quite get there. This is definitely a, Pros versus Joes type of game. The more I think about it and look yep. at it, I kind of want to take the Cowboys. But I know it's going to be super square in public, which generally does not work out well in the NFL. So I'll probably just stay away. All right, let's move forward and go to Houston, where the Jack, excuse me, well, the team in the Jags division, the Houston Texans, catching two touchdowns. 14-point dog against the Kansas City Chiefs, total of 49-and-a-half. By that same token, Alex, the Chiefs, the only side you can look to in this game. Uh, excuse me. Uh, you know, we talk about the spreads being so big and hard to trust these big favorites, but it kind of feels like, are the Texans going to be able to play down to the wire with the team again? And this almost feels like the Texans, after almost pulling one out last week, might be more in kind of white flag mode against the Chiefs. I can't give up this many points with the Chiefs, though, as we talked, we talked, we talked. Last week, um, the Chiefs don't cover these numbers. Oh, this is a straight pass. No, I'm certainly not in the business of laying two touchdowns, but it does feel like the perfect spot for the Texans to just quit and I could see this getting out of hand pretty early on but double digit favorites are 7 and 14 against the spread this season and then like you mentioned Mahomes and the Chiefs just 
historically don't cover these numbers. He's one in seven against the spread as a above a seven point favorite. They just don't blow out these these bad teams. They let them hang around and getting 14 points. The back door is always open. Just some garbage time fluke touchdown when they're up, you know, 20 points and you got a you got a Texans cover there getting 14. I'm going to stay away. This is one of those ugly games that I just don't want to be a part of, especially being at 1 p.m. You know, if this was prime time, I yep. would certainly look at it. But <laughs> this is a game I, I don't need to see it and probably won't see much of it. One of the more marquee games, who would have thought, in the early window features the Detroit Lions visiting the New York Jets. Looks like Mike White will go for the Jets, who lay one and the hook total of 44 and a half. I got to say, Alex, if I were making a play on this game, I'd go over that total, given the way the Lions have been able to score at times this year and with how, uh, you know, how much of a catalyst for the offense Mike White has been for the New York Jets. Again, he's at less than 100 percent, but that total feels a bit low. I don't have much sidewise here. The Lions have been good to us, but I think this was always going to be a tricky stretch for Detroit. Minnesota at home and then the Jets on the road. Hardy, hard time for me to at least want to bet on the Lions winning both of those games. And in the case of the Jets, you know, you have a team that really needs a win after losing uh, last week against, uh, gosh, why am I drawing a blank now on who they played? I just know that the they Bills. lost. And Bills, thank you. Yeah, that's right. In kind of a, you know, nondescript, 20 to 12, they covered, but uh, I expect the offense with Mike White to be a little more firepower for the Jets. Garrett Wilson staking his claim, perhaps, to Offensive Rookie of the Year. Again, I would go over the 44 in the hook, but I don't like a side. I definitely don't hate the over here. I think that's a pretty good look. I would look to the Jets, but a big concern is Quinnen Williams, their defensive tackle. Yep. Hasn't practiced this week. It's a huge concern against a Lions team that wants to run the ball a ton. And then Jared Goff outdoors, just much worse than he is indoors. His career outdoors, he's 29, 32, and two against the spread. And then indoors, he's 25 and 13 against the spread. So just significantly better. That was one of the not main reasons, but one of the many reasons that we liked the Lions last week against the Vikings. You just get golf in this offense at their home stadium in the dome. They're just so much better than he goes and struggles outdoors. We saw them play the Patriots earlier in the season. They just looked absolutely abysmal. I do like both these offenses. I think we could see some scoring. I think the over is a good look, and I would look to the Jets in this spot. All right, a few more early games to get to as let's go to the Big Easy, where the Saints host the Falcons. Saints laying four, total of 43 and a half. That's right, the Saints are laying four. Both of these teams coming out of their bye weeks, uh, and Atlanta returning from its bye with a new quarterback, Desmond Ritter. If it were Marcus Mariota, I'd feel great about Atlanta plus four. I just feel like there's a ceiling or excuse me, there's a floor with Ritter as there is any guy making his first start in the league. 
that maybe steers me slightly away from this. I want to take Atlanta, Alex, because I just don't believe how leave how leave how leave how leave how leave. Unfortunately, I have to pass. I agree. I was definitely looking at the Falcons strongly here, but rookie quarterback, you just you have no idea what to expect. I would like to think that gives Atlanta some sort of boost anytime there's a quarterback change. You generally see that, but I just can't trust that. I mean, you have no idea what you're getting. I was looking to the over, though. I think that might be a good play. It's just can you trust Dalton? It looks like he's going to – they named him the starter again. For whatever reason, they're not giving Winston a chance. I will say I, I like that look, too. On the basis that with Ritter, it feels like maybe there's high variance there. And he either plays really well and moves the ball, or if he's bad, you get a short field or two for New Orleans. Right, so both both cases kind of good for the over. And then I, I saw the, and, you know, the Saints got uh, pretty shut down last week. They didn't eclipse 20 points. Um, and the Falcons as well. They need a shot in the arm. So I agree. I think there's certainly some potential high upside for Falcons. And if not, yeah, you might get some turnovers and defensive scores. And just, I, I think this total is a little too low. I, I would look to the over, if anything. All right. Final game in the early window features the Pittsburgh Steelers going to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers, total of 37.5, Carolina laying three, and we've liked the Steelers at various times quite a bit on this pod. This is more of a fade of Carolina. I feel like you want to sell your Panthers stock at the top of the market right now. The Panthers just get that, albeit nice win in Seattle on the road, um, now, everybody's like, oh, look at the Panthers. They're only one game back in this garbage division. And, you know, the Steelers still fought last week, lost to a team that's probably just better than them in Baltimore. Uh, if the Steelers have picked up some momentum, as it feels like they have in the second half, they're going to win this game, and you're getting three with them. Honestly, I just think the Steelers, both these teams, five and eight, I think the Steelers are just better than the Panthers. And even if they were even teams, I don't think Carolina's home field is worth three points. So I think this lines off Steelers plus three. I agree. It feels like the wrong team is favored here. I love Tom in the underdog role. He's 41-17-1 against the spread as a dog from week five forward. And then Sam Darnold as a favorite, four and eight against the spread. Just not a quarterback or team you want to back in a favorite role I don't think the Panthers are going to have quite the same amount of success on the ground that they did against Seattle which was a massive part of the game I think Steelers can kind of shut them down here a little and I just don't think there's that much of a drop off from from uh, Pickett to to uh, Trubisky I, I assume that's why the line is so inflated you know it's going to be the backup but I also saw that the Steelers, after a loss to the Ravens, they're 9-4 and four against the spread in their next game. 
I think that just speaks okay. to losing like to your that. rival and then you're you know you need off, a win right. exactly you get fired up and this couldn't be a better spot you couldn't find a better team to play the week after losing that rivalry <laughs> game than the than the Panthers I don't care that this is in Carolina I think the wrong team's favorite here I'm definitely grabbing the three I'll probably sprinkle the money line as well Love that look as we get a consensus play on Pittsburgh. Let's go to the late games where the New England Patriots travel to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. It's Vegas laying one in the hook, total of 44.5. Alex, first thing I looked at was how does Bill Belichick do against his former assistants as Josh McDaniels, of course, the sideline boss in Vegas. 18-19 and 19 straight up, ironically, is Belichick against his former assistant coaches. So there's not much of an angle there. I'd still say the wrong team's favored, but the line's kind of freaking me out a bit here. 44.5 seems like a bit of a high total in a Patriots game. Maybe you look to the under. I don't think I'll play this game, though. Nah, this is a really gross one. I have no idea where to go with this one. Kind of lean the Raiders, but it is a massive coaching mismatch. I just don't know how you can back the Raiders any point now with McDaniels on the sideline after blowing that game to the Rams. I mean, just unbelievable to see that Baker leads him down the field. It was like 98 yards with a minute left and no touchdowns. Just unbelievable stuff. Raiders now, you know, that win would have gotten them to six and seven. You're still in with a prayer in the wild card mix. Now they're dead. Absolutely dead. It feels like they're going to come out completely flat, which is probably what the line is saying here. This is super fishy being that they're slight favorites. I don't know. The books think they can get up for this game. I really don't see it. Granted, the Raiders have the better offense, better quarterback, but it's a tough ask against this Patriots defense. I, I think the under is probably a good look for sure. Yes, so some agreement there on the total. Let's move forward and go to Denver, where the Broncos are favored. That's right. They're laying three against the Arizona Cardinals, total of 37. And I'm going to lay the three. And I'm on the Broncos in this game, Alex. It's just a spot that I'm salivating over in terms of a fade of the Arizona Cardinals. Talk about dead teams. They may be one of the most dead teams in the National Football League. Injuries galore this year for Arizona. The big one this week, Kyler Murray with the torn ACL will miss, obviously, the rest of this season and looks like parts of 2023. Rondell Moore also ruled out for the year. He's been out for Arizona. I just think Arizona has tapped out. You look at Denver the last couple weeks, there's been a fight. There's been a scratching and clawing that you like covering and should have won outright a few weeks ago in Baltimore, covering last week against Kansas City. I am going to take the Denver Broncos and plug my nose because it sure is a stinky favorite when you're talking about laying points with the Denver Broncos. But if there was ever a time to do it, it's against Colt McCoy and the Cardinals traveling to Denver on a short week like Phoenix is like Arizona, excuse me, is doing. It's a short week or excuse me, it's short travel but still a short week with a new quarterback, a guy that can hold it down, but also a guy that has been a career backup. So 
please just get to 20 points for us, and I think we cover this. Or it could be Bert, uh, Ripian, right? Yeah, I think it probably is going to be a battle of some backups. When you get two backup quarterbacks, I think you have to look to the way better defense, which is the Broncos. I agree. Also, we love fading Cliff down the stretch. Week eight and later, he's now 10 and 25 straight up, 12, 21 and two against the spread. For whatever reason, Cliff Kingsbury teams just absolutely melt down the stretch. They're usually good for the first seven weeks, and then week eight on, they're just absolutely the fucking worst. It's, it's bizarre, but there's certainly something to it. This dates back to his days with Mahomes in college, still did it there. And then you look at this Broncos defense, really strong. Granted, tough week last week, but that's the Chiefs. That's not Colt McCoy in this Cardinals offense that I don't really expect to get going. You saw what happened last week when Colt went in there and just getting all sorts of pressure on him. Also, Broncos unders, 11-2 and two on the season. I would consider looking to the under as well, although – that's a really low total at 37. I'll probably join you. It's really fucking gross, but I think I'll I'll lay the three as well, just based on the way better defense and Ripian being fairly competent. I think the Broncos can get it done here at home. Yeah, I mean, it sure is gross, but let's do it. All right, uh, let's go to the final late afternoon game in Tampa Bay where the Arizona, excuse me, the Cincinnati Bengals visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Alex, Tom Brady is a home run. Yeah, that's certainly a, a spot to look at. Doesn't happen too often. Granted, it hasn't been great this season, but in his career, 10-1 and against the spread as a home dog. I think I'm going to get there. I think this is a Bengals team that's riding pretty high, looking like they're going to take the division with Lamar Jackson out. I just think this is a good spot for the Bucks at home. The defense has been still fairly solid, except last week, but the game was completely out of hand. They didn't really get any help from their offense until late in the game when they finally scored a touchdown. I did see that Bucks team totals are 12 and one to the under this season, which is just wow. insane to think about with Brady and all those weapons. They just can't put up points for whatever reason. And this Bengals team is not going to make it easy for them this week. I just think Brady is a home dog getting three in the hook. I think that's a good way to look. I stand corrected. We have one, one more game in the late window. It's the Tennessee Titans. Visiting the L.A. Chargers, Tennessee catching three Chargers back in that favorite role after that win last week as a home dog against the Miami Dolphins total in this game of 46 and the hook. I think I lean to Tennessee, Alex. I think there's a buy low element here on Tennessee where I just have a hard time thinking the Titans. I think last time last last week was the first or second time that T- Mike Vrabel has lost three straight regular season games as Titans head coach. So I look at Tennessee and figure they're going to wake up. I still think they're going to win this division. We don't trust the Chargers. 
I mean, they played well last week, but Miami also cooperated a bit in that regard. I think the value is on Tennessee if you are to play this game. I agree. That's the only way I would look. I think getting the three here is good. The Chargers have one of the worst rush defenses in the NFL. They're ranked 28th in average rushing yards allowed per game. They allow 147 rushing yards per game, and that's all the Titans really do very well on offense. And obviously, Derrick Henry, I think he could have a field day. And then we love love Vrabel as an underdog. He's 21-8 against the spread as a dog of three or more. I think Titans are a good look. This does feel like a great buy low, sell high. I think that's the only way you can look in this game. Let's conclude with the primetime games where we go to the nation's capital, the Washington Commanders. Hosting the New York Giants in Sunday night football. This was a flexed into Sunday night slot game. Washington laying four of the hook. Total of 40 and a half. Alex, I really wanted to take Washington here from a spot standpoint. Washington coming off the bye. Played the Giants two weeks ago at MetLife. So three weeks of nothing but Giants for the Washington Commanders. But I think maybe that's being overaccounted for a little bit with the four and a half point spread. It's Giants are passed, I think, because of that, right? I'm going to have to disagree. I'm looking to the commanders here. I do agree the line feels a bit inflated. You were seeing this at two and a half two weeks ago in New York. Now it's four and a half in Washington who has absolutely no home field advantage. It's probably the worst in the NFL. You'll probably see like a 50-50 split of fans. They certainly don't have a home field in terms of fans, but you're still at home in your own bed, in your own facility. There's got to be something to that. Let's feel a little high, but I'm going to probably get there with the commanders. I also would look to the under again. Got super lucky with the under in the first matchup, and it's the exact same total at 40 and a half. Yeah, I just don't see the 20 to 20 tie. Unbelievable. That had to have been the luckiest win of the, the season for me personally. You get zero points in overtime on Rio, but Daniel Jones in primetime, not great. 0 and 9 straight up, 4 and 5 against the spread. Something about when those lights come on. Mark Little yeah. banged up. Certainly a concern. I think Washington will shut them down pretty well. I don't I don't see the Giants moving the ball like they did uh, two weeks ago. I, I think this has to be commanders in this spot. Time to wrap things up on Monday Night Football. The Rams head to America's Dairyland as Los Angeles takes on the Green Bay Packers. The Packers are laying seven. Gosh, some of these lines where you're just like, wow, Packers are laying points. And yeah, these, this is one that uh, that just shocked me to see getting a touchdown. Seven point line, a total in the game of 39 and a half. And Alex, I, I think this is that simple. I don't look at the Packers that much differently than I do the Raiders. I understand the game was in SoFi, Raiders, Rams, but. Not that Rams is a great home field. It's just the opposite. And the Raiders were laying six and a half. Now the Rams go on the road in a true road game. 
against a Green Bay team that's reeling, and they're getting seven, and Baker Mayfield should be more comfortable with the offense, Rams feel like a pretty clear side to me here. I completely agree. Packers have absolutely nothing to play for. I mean, the Raiders had everything to play for, and they still kept that game very close. <laughs> Lost. They should have fucking covered. I had five and a half. They should have covered that game. Baker Mayfield, dude's just a gamer. Something to be said about that. I just think this Packers team is not very good. You're getting a touchdown with a total of 39 and a half. Points are just all the more valuable when they think it's going to be a lower scoring game. They definitely have to look to the Rams in this spot. So some agreement on the Rams to wrap things up. Alex, a busy weekend with bowls starting. You know, you got to have some bowl action, Saturday NFL, and, uh, you know, some good college basketball. I know Houston and Virginia will be a good game. So certainly uh, enjoy the weekend of sport, and I know we'll be talking soon. Absolutely. This is the best time of the year. All these, all the best sports are in a full swing here with college basketball heating up, too. It's the most wonderful time of the year. He's Alex Uplinger at Alex underscore up seven. Manages the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. I am Greg Frank at undercover Greg on gambling Twitter at G underscore Frank six for the rest of my sports takes. That'll wrap things up for us. Another edition of Full Slate in the Books, NFL Week 15. Enjoy it all. Enjoy the Bulls getting started. Hockey and basketball, whatever floats your boat this time of year. Hope you enjoy it. And again, play responsibly. We'll talk to you later.